This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. TV Wrestling Network fans and family, welcome to uh, this week's episode of Your Home for Everything Current, Up to Date, and Modern Day Professional Pugilism. Place to be Nation's main event. I am your tri host, Scott Criscolo. Welcome. We are in mid May. A pay per view is beyond us. A couple of many pay per views are ahead of us. Three and two days on Memorial Day weekend. I remember back in the day when like, the holiday weekends were kind of sacrosanct. For wrestling shows, and now there's like 30 every weekend that there's a Sunday or Monday holiday, we get something. Um, and uh, Memorial Day weekend is no different because we are going to have three shows in two days. Only one of them you have to pay full price for. Well, I guess it depends on your point of view. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to we're going to look back on Backlash, which was this past Saturday, and look ahead to obviously their next big show at the end of the month, uh, the second straight international show, the second of three straight before getting back to the states in August. Um, we'll also look ahead to Double or Nothing because that will also be the same weekend, and there's an NXT show because that's just not enough wrestling. So three shows, two days. Let me bring in uh, the rest of the team. He's the purveyor of the Kings of Sport Patreon. And um, his boy, Trey Young, was that close. That close. Trey was that close. Just fell short. Nathaniel, the godfather, Nate Milton. That close. That close. Uh, speaking of close, you know, you mentioned that man, Trey Young, the, the SmackDown Rookie of the Year from a few years ago. And uh, yes. I, I was out vacationing with him in San Juan. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to recruit Trey Young to the winning team, not the Hawks, you know, even though they, they're a scrappy bunch. But, but the team known as the Homo Sapiens, the team that is on the upswing after this man, Omos, went <laughs> down to Puerto Rico and put on a four-star classic with Seth Rollins. So I'm, yes. I'm excited to, to talk about uh, all things uh, Omos and, and whatever else we have to get into this week, Scotty. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot going on in uh, the professional pugilism, which we will discuss. Uh, also joining us, as always, the conscience of Place to Be Nation, uh, Mr. Steve Woolley. Yeah, that's my nickname, professional pugilist. <laughs> you are about as unpugilistic, Steve, as, as I can possibly I, I, I get too tired. I mean, yeah. <laughs> all right, you. It's time to nap. Yeah, I'm really. Uh, why? Yeah, never mind. So, all right. So, uh, all right. We uh, just uh, got out of backlash, uh, which took place this past weekend in Puerto Rico. Bad Bunny got the biggest pop of his career. That doesn't involve rapping and singing. Um, that was a fun match. The show overall was pretty solid. Um, I, wa- I didn't watch it live. I watched it a couple days later. I liked it. I thought it was fine. 
the energy of the of the uh, Devante uh, Brockness match was a little strange, but I still enjoyed it. I think the right guy went over. Uh, did you watch it, uh, Nate? Yes, I did. I thought it was a really good show. I think, you know, the crowd elevated, obviously, a lot of the show. Uh, I would have switched around the order of the card because I do feel like after that bad buddy match, you know, even though the crowd was there for Brock and Devontae, it, it just wasn't what it could have been. So I would have had the Cody-Brock match start the show and then end with uh, the bad bunny Damian Priest all-star spectacular uh, because it, that was a, that was a f- match that was way more fun than it had a, any right to be, and that crowd just ate everything up about it. Mm. I, I think so. I thought it was uh... – I thought the crowd was was off the charts and top level, Steve. Oh, absolutely. I, it was so I, I agree with what you're saying, too, there, Nate. I, I think that the blood might have been what led to it being the main event part of it. But there, mm. yeah, I think leading off with that, one of my favorite matches was the Eel Sky. Mm-hmm. Bianca Belair match and the crowd played a big role in that as well. Uh, but the, that bad bunny Damian priest match at the end of the year, not a five-star match by any means, but that's not what it was supposed to be. Just an absolute spectacle. One of those, one of those bouts where everything combined just makes it near perfect. It's like the nostalgia, a crowd mm-hmm. that what like I just the heat on that match was unbelievable. One of the few times where having a celebrity really, really, really works. Yeah. Mm. And the the elements of that match, Steve, are elements that could really only work there, or maybe <laughs> if you get a really uh, partisan Puerto Rican crowd in like Brooklyn. Like there, <laughs> there's not a lot of like you can't you you know no disrespect, Steve Willie, but you can't take that show to Sheboygan. It's not gonna you can that match isn't gonna play in Sheboygan. That match you know <laughs> might not play in some parts of the South, but if you got <laughs> my you know, wife that, would go see it, but it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you got that match. Like, Savio Vega's not getting that pop anywhere else. No, no And exactly. so, you know, Carlito's not getting that response anywhere else. Selena Vega in her match with Rhea is no, not getting that, that response cool. anywhere else. So I think they did a really good job of kind of working to that crowd, which is something I wish they would do more of when they're in kind of these uh, overseas uh, environments. Yeah, and I don't think in the past they would have done that. Mm-hmm. leaning into as much of where they're going, not just for one match, but a, really an entire card. Zelina Vega is not going to be getting title shots anywhere else but right here. Mm-hmm. And to give her that moment with that costume, with, with that, you know, there is no chance in the world she was going to be winning. But just to give her that moment of having a career that's so long, uh, it was really special to see and really special for her. Um, and then, yeah, the Bad Bunny thing is, you know, if Vince was in charge and this was six mm-hmm. years ago, if he was mm-hmm. in charge of booking, you know Bad Bunny's losing by a screwjob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it would right. main event. So the whole crowd would. That too. Yeah, that too. Would revolt, kill the town, and then, well, but you got good heat. <laughs> now, having said that, uh, I definitely feel like um, Damian Priest didn't come out bad. And I think he's no. a guy that, that they that – they, I think they like mm-hmm. and are confident in can take it to the next level. So I, I think that's, you know, 
I think he I think he came off that way as somebody that you could see. You know, he's been U.S. champion. I don't see why he couldn't be world heavyweight champion. Why not? I feel like he's kind of. I mean, even though Rhea kind of took over the head of the of Judgment Day, even over. I mean, what a waste putting Finn Balor in that bunch because he really did nothing. Um, it's pretty much Rhea's group. Um, uh, I think Damian Priest came off strong, even in losing, and um, and I think he's a player. You know, I would not be surprised. Now that I, I kind of, if they decide to wait maybe one more year for uh, uh, Gunther Gable Willie to take money in the bank, I could see Damian Priest winning money in the bank. Um, and now with another world title in the picture. Um, what were your thoughts, Steve, on uh, Brock and uh, Devontae? Um, I actually watched that match today, and I already knew the outcome. So it was a little bit spoiled there. I was interested in how Brock was going to end up getting to be so bloody and whether he did it hard way or bladed, because clearly you're not supposed to be doing those things in WWE. Uh, but but Brock gets to Brock lives in his own world, uh, <laughs> as shown by the the Brock Lesnar Randy Orton incident at SummerSlam a few years back. Mm-hmm. I I you know you actually alluded to it. The crowd was kind of interesting. I really thought that the crowd favored Brock first for the first like, two-thirds of the match, Cody probably third, and then Cody Song second. They were mm-hmm. really into the OOOs uh, in, in Puerto Rico there. The match was fine. I just didn't like the finish. I think I, I texted that to you guys earlier today after I watched it where – it's Brock. It's going to take either a fluke or a miracle or just an absolute beatdown of like five guys to beat him. And it just right. like sometimes you can get pinfalls on a fluke where you really trap the guy. I think like Darby Allen does it in AEW or like um, like a really tight roll up. And it felt like Brock, he just looks stupid. He's just laying on his back with a Kimura on his, the referee's counting <laughs> All he had to do was move his, and I know I'm nitpicking here, but when it's the finish of the main event, I I think it just needed to be a little bit more of that. Like at least some sort of pinfall that looked like it was impossible to get out of and not just Brock move his body two inches and he's out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it took it away from me a little bit. I wouldn't mind seeing him do like the five crossroads or whatever after he got bloody and a couple cutters and, and then fall on him and win. I think that would have actually been better, but you got to finish yeah. the story. Yeah. Um, but then the, the story's uh, the, the odyssey, the Iliad at this point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Now the story obviously is continuing because Brock, uh, you know, uh, cost, uh, Cody, Cody, you know, the, the match, um, on Raw in the, uh, the, the, the world title um, tournament, I guess you could say. Um, and now Seth Rollins is going to wrestle somebody from SmackDown. As of this taping, SmackDown has not happened yet, so we're not sure what that's going to be. Um, but overall, the show was fine. I think they like these international crowds because I do feel like people seem to think that the international crowds are a little uh, different than a typical domestic crowd. And I think... You know, I don't know how we grade the Saudi Arabia crowds per se. I don't, you know, because they're that that place is, I mean, enormous. Um, 
We know that London will be a hot crowd because it always is in July for Money in the Bank. And then back to us boring domesticators for SummerSlam in August in the, in, uh, in Detroit. Now, speaking of premium events, uh, so I'm reading the story that came up on Lords of Pain slash Wrestling Headlines. Um, obviously, All Out is not Labor Day weekend this year. It's the Saturday before, uh, Sunday before the 27th at, uh, you know, at Wembley. I don't know if WWE is going to do anything that weekend. I think they should just let it go. And now that Labor Day weekend will be open to them, uh, there is rumors that WWE will likely do another international show in September. Um, Some of the places uh, being discussed, Australia, which I feel like they did a show there a few years ago, but not like a, not like a televised one. I know they did that that uh, global warming tour in 2002. I have that pay per view. I have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was actually the first Brock uh, Triple H uh, 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 not interference. What am I thinking of? Uh, encounter until what was it? SummerSlam 2012. Um, uh, Becky Lynch mentioned on a show that. WWE approached her about a possible uh, premium event in Ireland. That'd be pretty cool. They may use their second Saudi Arabia bullet or Saudi Arabia chip of the year to go back there. They may. I have a feeling they'll do that in November. Um, I know there was a lot of discussion of where, over India, but the Z Sony merger probably won't be done till later this year, so they may not go to India until 2024. Um. I think that's why they like these international crowds. I think they, they they just add a different a different energy level that you don't see in our regular domestic boring crowds. Um, like, I think that show... Like, I don't think Backlash was a bad show either, but I feel like, Nate, that the crowd, that audience and, you know, in that venue made it... Added a little extra something that I think it would not have happened on just a regular show here. Yeah, easily. Like, it elevated it from a solid show to a show that when we're talking about best ofs or best moments of the year, I'm sure Backlash will be brought up just because you can't, again, unless you're going in the heart of Brooklyn, you're not going to replicate that atmosphere anywhere else. And so I think they should lean more into it. You know, you are the worldwide leader in this industry. I feel like they should sprinkle these in more, you know, and, and granted, it's extra wear and tear on these uh, performers, but you know, as long as they're being well compensated, I, I feel like it makes the product feel fresher and feel larger. Yep, I agree. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, especially when you have such a huge international talent base too, where mm-hmm. they get these, you know, they get these special moments with the pay per view in England that they did, you know, with McIntyre and Sheamus mm-hmm. and Gunther. Um, Becky Lynch like, having, you know, it, it's just a different crowd. And you're imagine that Omas Seth match in Nigeria, Steve Willie. <laughs> I oh, couldn't Jesus. even. I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> oh my god! Let's then, talk about that for a minute. I don't have a problem. I mean, Seth winning is fine. Feels like he's gonna be the the first one to win that that new world title belt. But I gotta say. He's still a little awkward, and he still hasn't 
totally figured out like the facial mannerisms of how to, you know, carry himself in the ring in a match. But I will say this: um, the uh, Homo Sapiens are should be should be excited because I feel like their guy is starting to figure it out. I think having MVP with him doesn't hurt. Um, but I do think little by little he is starting to to figure out um, how to do this, you know, and how to not just be a good, you know, because his entering isn't isn't awful. It's it's typical big man stuff. It's not earth shattering. But little by little, Nathaniel, he is starting to figure out the mannerisms on how to he doesn't have that awkward like like x-pac always did stuff with his arms just because he had to kenny omega does the same thing but i feel like little by little almost is starting to figure out how to like facial expressions the way you stand the way you hold your arms the way he does he's not looking like gangly and weird he's slowly (laughs) starting to figure out how to be a presence in the ring instead of just some rando big dude you know what i mean yeah, and then the thing is, you know, he it just takes time. He's still relatively young. He's like 27, 28, and it's going to take time for him to get a little bit more polished in the ring. I do think, you know, the Brock match at Mania was pretty good for what it was. And then, again, this Seth match. Granted, he's in there with one of the best guys in the company, but he had to hold up his end of the bargain, too. Yep. And I think you saw, you know, the moments where he was interacting with the crowd. You know, that's... That, that this is more engagement with Omos in some of his matches than we've seen in a long time. And so I think that, you know, just something. The thing with Omos, Steve Willie, is being that size, simple things can get reactions. Like when Seth went for the stomp and he just, all he did was, you know, just stand there or, or kneel there and not allow, not allow himself to go down to the mat. And that got a big reaction. And I think, you know, there are ways you can utilize this guy, put him in the right positions. He doesn't have to be Seth. He doesn't have to be AJ. You know, he doesn't have to be Kofi. He can't be any of those guys just based on his physiology and his experience level. But I do think, Steve, there is something there with him if you continue to, you know, nurture him. You know, he's an investment. You know, he's like one of these foreign players in the NBA draft. You know, you some guys are can't miss like like Wimbanyana. But some of these guys are guys that you're going to have to give rep to, give ring time to, and and take the good with the bad until you finally get the best version of this performer. And I think Omas is starting to turn a corner. I wonder what his his sky limit is mm-hmm. for for him, where he can end up, because this is a pretty dang that he had with with Seth Rollins in front of this crowd. Mm-hmm. Having match with Brock at Mania, going from almost like a secondary character doing job matches to going against the the top guys in your company. Yeah, where, yeah. Where can that go? And it might he be one of those guys that the crowd just organically gets behind because he is a mm-hmm. bit awkward and almost like a cultish type figure. I'm not even saying like someone like a Kofi. I'm almost saying like an L.A. Knight who is mm-hmm. very talented. He hasn't really done anything. But I think part of the part of the fandom for him was that they realized, boy, he got a really bad spot having to deal with all the Bray Wyatt crap. Mm-hmm. And being this, you know, and I, and I wonder if he's going to become that, getting these opportunities. So I don't feel like 
I feel like the backlash against him already happened. Like, uh, the right. big guy who can't do anything. And I think that's come and gone. Uh, there's this great, uh, joke from, oh God, I can't, um, think of the name. <laughs> I'll have to get back to you, but basically it's, uh, a, a comedian who, it's she's a horse basically the comedian in the troupe one is saying this girl's a horse this girl is a horse look at her go look at her run and look at her run like a horse and the crowd's like what the hell is that and they just keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it and eventually it gets funny then it stops being funny it gets really annoying but then after a while it gets really fun again and just mm-hmm. the more you throw it out and i feel like omas is going to be like that where People were really annoyed by him. And now he's starting to get a little bit of play, a little bit of people behind him. Then I think next thing is going to be, oh, he's getting shoved down our throats. He's going against mm-hmm. Brock. He's getting all these spots. And look at all these people who are not wrestling. But then after a while again, all of a sudden he's going to be much beloved and an even bigger star. It's a, a very weird, strange character. Yeah. It's like a more talented great Kali. Yes. I, I was exactly hmm. thinking that too, Steve. Like, And I think... If there does become a moment, because we have seen, you know, not on WWE television, but if you see some of these events like Wale Mania or some of his interviews, like he's actually pretty funny. He's actually got a good personality. And I think whenever he can get to the point where they're confident enough in him and he's confident enough in himself that he can split from MVP, I think that's the moment, Steve, where everybody's going to be like, you know what? This guy's all right. Yeah, this guy's one of us. It's Christian Shaw. That was who I was thinking of. Christian Shaw is a horse. Mm. Mm. Would have been great if I remembered that right away. It would have been a much smoother comparison. Um, but hey, what are you going to do? I mean, I mean you're, you're like Omar, Steve. You just got to you just got to keep working, Steve. You'll get there. Exactly. <laughs> I tripped. I fell. <laughs> it's a little gangly, little little socially <laughs> awkward. But you know, I found it. It was really funny. But you had to be there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, so we we move past and we go from Puerto Rico. We hop on a very long flight and head to Jeddah uh, for the next uh, show there, which is Night of Champions, where we will crown the new uh, world heavyweight champion of this iteration. Seth freaking Rollins mm-hmm. won one half, and then the other half. By the time you listen to this, uh, if you listen to it after. To, after uh, Friday, uh, because uh, this week on SmackDown they will have, uh, they will have a uh, um, a match for their half of the of the uh, of the match, and then as we mentioned, uh, Devonte and Brock have their second match. Um, I mean, I don't have a problem with this feud. It's a good. It's a good. I don't say time killer. I shouldn't say that, but it's a good uh, next step for uh, for Devonte. Um, I think they work well together. Cody's just been, is matured so much over the last, like, six years. I even go back to the match him and Aldis had it all in. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like even for, since then, Devontae has matured as a worker. Um, I think they'll just keep it up. I think they're just going to keep it up with him. Uh, everyone's like, oh, Triple H is going to bury him because, you know, he's, he's that was Vince's last big move. And that's dumb. <laughs> I wish people, I wish wrestling fans wouldn't just be that dumb. Uh, it's, it's not going to happen. It's all about making money. And, uh, I think, um, I think that's going to be a good match. And when we, in our, on our next episode, I think you look at the calendar. Uh, yeah. Next episode, we will be previewing that, uh, show. Actually, we'll be previewing a crap ton of shows. 
uh, our next episode in two weeks will be the Memorial Day. It's kind of like uh, a smaller version, Steve, of looking at the 800 WrestleMania indie shows. Because that's pretty much what we're going to do <laughs> in two weeks. Uh, because we'll be previewing three shows in two weeks. This one. And then the next one, the next night in the company, Shawn Michaels says, you know, I lay down for absolutely no, but then you still do. Uh, in Lowell, Mass at the Songus Center, which is a nice little arena. It's where um, UMass Lowell plays hockey. I think they play basketball there, too. Anyway, NXT Battleground is uh, Saturday, is Sunday evening, going up against uh, another wrestling show, which we'll talk about in a minute. Carmelo Hayes, who I think has done an exceptional job as heavyweight champion, uh, gets his rematch, gets a second match with uh, Braun Breaker. And then the, I feel like the women's title has been vacated like five times in the last like eight months. Um, of course, Indy Hartwell had to vacate the belt because she was drafted. She is now on Raw. So we will have a new, again, NXT. Let me, let me look at the lineage right now because I feel like it's been vacated like six, five times or something. So let's see. So where's the official? Um, let's see. Uh, all right. So there have been 16 champions. So let's see. So, all right. Uh, oh, okay. Well, here's the thing. You had, so I guess there's only been two. Actually, technically there's only been one. Because <laughs> the Roxanne <laughs> Perez thing was kind of a mess. So Io Shirai won it. These were all during the pandemic because pre the last pre-pandemic main event or the last pre-pandemic NXT win was Rhea Ripley in December of 19 when she ended Shayna Baszler's 416-day reign as champion after she beat Kyrie Sane at TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Then Rhea held it until Mania 36, which was the first uh, COVID Mania, and Charlotte won. Charlotte held it for a couple months, and Io Shirai won that awesome triple threat uh, at TakeOver In Your House down at uh, this Performance Center. Io lost to Raquel Gonzalez on night one of Stand and Deliver the following year. Io held the belt for 304 days. Then Raquel Gonzalez beat her uh, at, take, at Stand and Deliver night one in 2021 before Mania 37. And then, of course, uh, Raquel held it for 202 days, and then she was upset by, many think upset, by Mandy Rose, who, of course, won it at NXT 2.0 Halloween Havoc. She held it for 413 days, and then she had to drop the belt when she got booted for paying people to look at her butt, which is pretty much what <laughs> what our OnlyFans army or whatever that, it's not OnlyFans, it's the, whatever the other one is. <clears throat> so, Roxanne Perez held it for 109 days. She originally had to, was almost going to vacate it because of, um, she was almost going to vacate it because of um, uh, an injury, but she ended up being in the six-way ladder match at Stand and Deliver last month in LA before Mania. And, uh, and of course, as I mentioned, that was won by Indy Hartwell, but then Indy Hartwell had to uh, vacate the belt because she was drafted to Raw. And at Battleground, there will be a tournament for a new champion. So maybe, I, I feel like there was more vacates, but I guess the the uh, Roxanne Perez thing really didn't count as a vacate. So she got back in the match. Um, and I'd just like to be reminded, the longest reign in the history of the NXT Women's Championship was, of course, 
the great Asuka, who defeated Bailey at TakeOver Dallas on April 1st, 2016, and she held the belt for 522 days until she vacated it because she injured her collarbone at TakeOver Brooklyn 3, and then, of course, she eventually went to the main roster. And uh, Ember Moon won a four-way at TakeOver Houston, and, of course, she lost to Shayna, who started the first of her two reigns as champion. In any event, we will have a new women's champion uh, on May 28th at uh, NXT Battleground. Uh, have you guys seen, did they make a t-shirt with Carmelo Hayes' Laker logo? Have you guys seen that at all? I can look that up while we're talking here. Because the logo was pretty, I mean, obviously, I think it was pretty awesome because <laughs> it's my team. But uh, I think that's a great, I think that's a great logo. How do you think Carmelo's done so far, Nate, as champion? I mean, it's it's a little early to tell uh, just because I feel like we won't fully see what he can do in this role until we get past the breaker stuff. Uh, but I think, like, I, I predicted he was going to win. Uh, and he's a good person to kind of build this next phase of NXT around. You know, I, I think, you know, the guy's got charisma, he can wrestle, and it's a nice change of pace from uh, from our guy, Braun, even though I, I like Braun, but there's just something that's not clicking, I think, with Braun right now. I think the heel turn, I think a lot of people thought that would be something more, that, that would have been grasped more than it was. Mm. I think Braun is just due to, I think it's Braun's time to, to move up, but where does he move up? That's the problem. It's one thing I have to say about both uh, WWE and uh, and AEW. The rosters are uh, a, little, a little swollen. Um, so That's what she said. <laughs> I'm 12. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like uh, Andy Samberg on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and say, name me your sex tape. Uh, <laughs> same thing. Though. Um, great show for anybody who hasn't watched it. I'm about five seasons in. It's a good show. Um so that's what we have so far for NXT Battleground. And then, of course, on that same night is uh, AEW's equivalent of the Royal Rumble, and that is double or nothing. However, is it me, or does it feel like this is the Royal Rumble and All Out is like this Tuesday in Texas? Because I feel <laughs> like they've totally blown off this show to pimp the crap out of all out in at Wembley. Now listen, yeah, it's all in it. in Wembley. And then I mean, all out in Chicago is going to be the next week. Mm -hmm. after that. Right. So, yeah, yeah, this is double or nothing almost feels like it feels very unimportant. Right. Like if it, it feels that, you know, and we'll talk about this going forward. I'm sure but like the TV deal and the new show and what CM Punk Mm -hmm. And all in and then all out. It feels like that is all the news. And this is like the end of a chapter, double or nothing here. Or not even really the end of a chapter. It's just uh, it, it's just this quick stopping point. Almost feeling mm -hmm. more like a, a grand slam or like a, t a special TV event. Or even this past Dynamite in Detroit, which was a huge pay-per-view pay level show. 
kind of like uh, Raw and SmackDown were to go against the playoffs. But yeah, it just doesn't feel that important. Like the main event is the four pillars against each other, which will be a really super fun match. But the winner's pretty obvious. And the most recent match they announced was FTR against Lethal and Jarrett. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure there'll be a great. I'm sure there'll be great matches because I remember last year at Full Gear, I felt the same the same way. Like, oh, this isn't that great of a card, but then it was fantastic. It was an absolutely fantastic show. Uh, but yeah, it just doesn't feel very important at all. And no. for what is the first pay per view for AEW, the first proper AEW pay per view, double or nothing. Yeah, just. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's there's much there. And to this day, my favorite AEW match of all time is still Cody and and Dustin. Oh sure. Nothing's nothing's still to me nothing's eclipsed it. And I'm sure Meltzer will tell me different, but that's why it's him. Um Yeah, those are the only matches so far, and it yeah. we're, we're only uh, a couple weeks away. And you also have Forbidden Door the following month too, which will probably mm-hmm. be more important. Yep, that show, show is taking place on uh, is it a, on Sunday, June 25th at the uh, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, which I think is where the Raptors play, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it is. Um, and then, obviously, All In is AEW's next show, and then New Japan would have just had Dominion Dominion Earlier that month, and that card's already set, guys. Well, most of it is, I think. Um, yeah, Dominion they're better than they used to be. The ones that would announce half the card the day of the show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now they're better than WWE and AEW. Yeah, uh, June fourth at uh, at Osaka Joe Hall. Uh, Sonata, our world heavyweight champion. I still, I'm still fucking floored by that. Um, <laughs> uh, is defending the world title against Yota Suji. Yota Suji. Uh, there's a three-way tag for the tag team titles. Aussie Open will defend against Bishaman and House of Torture. Uh, ZSJ defending the TV title against Jeff Cobb. I'm kind of sickly looking forward to that match. Oh, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, David Finley will defend the Never Open Weight Belt against El Fantasmo. And in a tournament final match to determine the number one contender for the United States heavyweight title, Lance Archer, Will Ospreay, and uh, Tanahashi. Uh, the current war, uh, U.S. champion is, of course, Kenny, who still has the... Really? Yep. <laughs> He's defended it a couple times uh, last month. He defended it against um, Jeff Cobb. And I think the Elie Hodel Bikingo match was for the title, too. I... Not a hundred percent certain on that. Gotcha. But th- that that is setting up Osprey versus Omega at All In is is my guess. Right. Osprey has already been confirmed for that event. Right. So anyway, I didn't mean to go off the rails there, but it, it's we were talking about Forbidden Door, and then of course All In is uh, the big show coming up at uh, the new Wembley, which this is not for those that are, that are curious. This is not the same Wembley. Not the same Wembley. That uh, SummerSlam 92 was in. That was held right. at the original Wembley. This is the, quote, new Met Wembley. This is the AEW is the first 
big wrestling show there since SummerSlam 92. But again, that was uh, the original Wembley. So, but I mean, I feel like every time I watch Dynamite or Rampage, I feel like the only graphic that comes up on the screen is about tickets for all it for all in. And the only time you ever see double or nothing is if the guys mention it, or if you see, if you see uh, like the signs or the banner, you know, like the electronic banners in the arena. Mm. Otherwise, I feel like once they booked the four pillars match, which I think's, I mean, I, will the match be fun? Yeah, it probably will be. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, we all know MJF's not losing, so I mean, I don't know if that means anything. But listen, in AEW's defense, eventually they're going to have to put on a stinker. All promotions put on a stinker eventually you can't have like pay-per-views with five four and a half star matches every time it just doesn't happen so in wwe's defense here's a question guys if you had your choice on sunday night of memorial day weekend which main event is enticing you the Four Pillars or Carmelo and Braun? What do you think, Nate? I think both will be good, but I would lean towards the Four Pillars just because it feels like it feels like something that they've been building up behind the scenes, like and and amongst the the fan chatter for a long time. Uh, even though the outcome is is wholly predictable, <laughs> I feel like yeah. just just seeing them, you know that. Like uh, it's it's kind of like if you're watching a movie, like a biopic, Steve Willie, about a band, and at the beginning of the movie, like the guy hums a verse of their fav- their famous song, but then we have to wait 95 minutes <laughs> until he's sitting in the rain one day and he's just like singing a song, and then the drummer's like, "Hey, hey, mate, wh- wh- what's that?" I don't I don't know why this band is Australian all of a sudden, uh, <laughs> but then. They play the song, and it's like, okay, we we took the journey, and it feels like with these four guys, they've been talking about them since this company opened its doors, and I feel like the show will be a letdown. I don't know if it'll be an out and out stinker, uh, but it'll be a lesser AW pay per view. But I am in, interested in how they book that match, knowing that we know what the conclusion is going to be. How do you book this match with your four young pillars and? keep all of them strong and give them something to spin off into. Yeah, absolutely. It will. I feel both WWE and AEW do this when it's a, a show that I don't really feel like I'm going to be interested in and nothing's really sticking out. Mm. It ends up blowing me away. And and maybe it's just lowered expectations which, you know, sometimes it's a good way to, to live life. It's just have real low expectations and then everyone will excite you. Um, this very nihilist therapist on the phone right now. Um, so that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch, uh, but it will. I do think it's going to be one of those thrown together shows because of everything going forward from mm. middle of June through... So, uh, Labor Day is going to be a really, really hot time. Well, probably even a couple weeks after that, because they usually do Grand Slam at the end of September. But I think mid-June to mid-September is going to be basically Royal Rumble to Mania for AEW. Right. Mm. Without a no way out. 
<laughs> unless they do something in like you know, unless they have like a a big dynamite in in uh, you know in late July or early August or, or mid July or whatever they do like a special dynamite, whatever it is, blood and honor or whatever. Yeah, like, throat, and it feels like it, there's going to be a blood and guts at some point soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that it, like I would guess within the next six weeks there is going to be a blood and guts with the elite and the Blackpool Combat Club. And maybe Kota Ibushi. Mm. Mm? A lot of teasing about it. A lot of teasing. Here's a question. We can get more into this. We'll have to think. We'll we'll sit on it for a couple weeks until we do the official preview. But I know that they said that Philip, if Philip comes back, he is due to come back whenever they're in Chicago. Yes, that's the only time he can ever return. Um. <laughs> um. But is that a red herring and maybe we see him at the end of Double or Nothing? Mm, possibly. They do like to have their debuts. They haven't mm-hmm. done that in a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, we, we'll know depending on the spread at the uh, press conference. If if, uh, <laughs> if, they, if, out. if they put in an order from that muffin company, Steve Willie, we know, we know what's <laughs> going on. I don't know muffin. if I... If they do, they better keep them away from any press conferences. <laughs> Just don't. Um, that's funny. Um, so anyway, so there's so that so it's a very busy weekend uh, coming up that weekend, and we will uh, obviously document it for you in two weeks. We'll do a full preview of all three shows because um, obviously, um, you know the big, you know the cards will be full and. Um, um uh we'll have a full we'll have a full uh, preview of all three of those shows once the cards uh, fill out. The other big the other big news story that that um we should talk about. Obviously there there's a very large rumor going around and and I don't know if it's set in stone. I know that the what they call them, the upfronts haven't happened yet. But um there is a rumor that AEW is in discussion to um, uh, is in discussion uh, to uh, finalize a one billion dollar deal with Warner Brothers to be sole streaming or sole proprietor of any streaming content or something of that nature. Um. That's obviously a big deal, um, and it's. I think AEW um, needs that because I sit here and I know I, I know I I get uh, you know I like to throw my jabs at AEW as they're the only company that still makes us pay for pay per views. Um, this is a big. Uh, this is probably a big deal for them if it happens. Now this is not set in stone. It's been kind of bandied around. Um, I think the Sportster is a few, a few, uh, company or a few, uh, news outlets. Uh, let's see. Um, there's been a lot of talk about potential. This is from two days ago, Josh Colson on, uh, on uh, Sportster. A uh, lot of talk about potential TV deals in the wrestling business lately, particularly with WWE being sold and Mr. McMahon supposedly returning in part to oversee the negotiations with networks vying for the promotions TV rights. It seems AEW's TV deal is up for grabs this year too, and it may very well be on the cusp of signing an almost unbelievable new contract. 
AEW's first deal with Warner Brothers Discovery would have been signed in 2019 and reportedly ran for four years, so it makes sense that a new deal would need to be negotiated soon. Rumors have started to swirl this week pertaining to just how big a deal that's going to be, and if those rumors are true, AEW is about to land an absolutely mammoth television deal. Apparently, the promotion is about to put pen to paper on a five-year deal worth a billion. If true, the new contract will run for five years, and all AEW programming will be exclusive to Warner Brothers distributors and its various networks. Not only does that include Dynamite, All Access, and the still unannounced new Saturday show, which I guess is called Collision, but also means Warner Brothers gets exclusive streaming rights for all future AEW pay-per-views. Thank fucking God. They'll <laughs> go on max, hopefully. Um, but that also means, and I think it's already been pulled, Dark and Elevation have been uh, dumped from YouTube. Uh, they may end up going for, you know... They may end up going on there, too. Uh, somebody on Twitter posted this math. WWE gets $470 million a year for Raw and SmackDown, and they average a .57 rating for their five hours per week. If you take that Dynamite gets a .28 and Rampage gets a .10, and guess that's Collision gets in the middle, maybe like .19, that's a .21 for five hours. Interesting. Now, again, that's kind of hard to say because, you know, Collision is going to be a weekend show and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, uh, uh, Dynamite and Rampage are both on cable, whereas SmackDown's on broadcast, so they get a little leg up on that. Um, what are your thoughts, Nate, on this news and what would happen if AEW did sign this deal and kind of got into the streaming game? It's, it's interesting. I think... Obviously, if, if you've been looking at this from the perspective of AW, it always made the most sense for this to be their landing place. You know, I don't think that's the surprising thing in all of this. I think, you know, the the money, you know, kind of being tossed around, that is a little bit interesting. Uh, but when you look at it from WB's perspective, again, this is a company that's gone through a lot of change over the past couple of years. Um, they've gone through a lot of uh, flux. Uh, you know, we've got Max on the horizon, which is a dumb name, uh, in my opinion. Uh, hmm. But I think, you know, from a corporation standpoint, Scotty, when you look at this, it's a, you know, live programming uh, that you can bank on. B, it's sports adjacent, you know, and, and we know that sports uh, rights fees are always going up because yep. they are something that, you know, you can't put a price tag on, even though uh, you, you, you can uh, in, in terms of the boardroom. But there's something about live sports that draws eyes. And then the other thing, from a cynical standpoint, Steve Willie, right now we're in the midst of a writer strike. And AEW, much like WWE, is a non-union shop. Mm. And so we don't, you know, we get all of this programming and we don't have to worry about these pesky writers. And so I feel like. From the consumer standpoint, as Scotty alluded to, if I've got a one-stop spot where I can go for my AEW programming, including pay-per-views, and not have
did Nate go the way of Max streaming? No, I thought it was me that dumped. <laughs> but it's like I'm just gonna I lean out here. Still there? Yes. You know, uh, okay. WB WB got mad. You know, just because I stood up for the for the little man, I stood up for the writers. <laughs> you know? they, they tried to take me out, but you can't silence me, David Zaslov. I, I will not be like the Batwoman and and be shuffled to the side. David Zaslov, I would not be like your marketing for the Flash and and hide your star in the corner. I will not be hidden, David Zaslov. And so, yes, as I was saying before, they tried to silence me, Steve Willie, before the man tried to shut me down. Uh, I think it's a win-win for the company, you know, for AEW. I think it's a win for WB, and I think it is a win for the consumer. If you're already paying for HBO Max or Max, to have AEW as part of that package now. Yeah, I don't. There, there's already been some talk about it, but I think the most likely place for All In will be on Max. I think that the Forbidden Door show will mm-hmm. still be a pay per view. Possibly All Out will still be a pay per view. But they're making All In a big deal. And the CEO, I believe a week ago, insinuated that there will be AEW programming coming to Max sooner than mm-hmm. later. Whether that's just a pot, uh, a pay per view event, or the back catalog of Dynamite, or the back catalog of some of the pay per views, you know, we'll we'll see uh, on that. But yeah, you know, they've taken a lot of their content uh, content away, a lot of their older stuff, stuff that they had purchased elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the HBO stuff is still on there. Uh, the you know the classic programming like your Sopranos and The Wire and such. But you need to keep putting new content on there if you want to have growth. Mm-hmm. And you like, I, I do like your point about the writer's strike because I even saw a post right before we went on that Jeopardy is trying to figure out how to mm. finish uh, up their season. Uh, not even something you would think that would have writers. Um, you know, you think that would affect more live shows and. Mm-hmm. Uh, comedy shows and late night shows but this is a, a bigger deal than people are thinking there's just stuff that's already in the can right now but once you get to fall there's going to be some questions if this is still going on what to put on television and yeah non-union uh, here, here's yet another time where uh, a non-union production helps the, the world of wrestling right <laughs> I know. Um, uh, that is true. Um, and I have a feeling this writer strike is going to go on a little longer than sometimes the ones in the past have. So I'll be curious to see how um, how that how, how that's going to to play out. Because and if, uh, if you want to have a fun Twitter look um, or or just Google in general, look at some of the right the strikers picket signs. Because when you get a bunch of TV writers <laughs> that are bored and have some time on their hand and some markers and some poster board, th- there's some winners out there. It's a it's a fun it's a fun read through. Uh, yeah, I it, the fortunate thing for uh, like television right now is that all the seasons are ending, so mm-hmm. so uh, that is. Um, that's something they're lucky about. Like this strike didn't happen in like September, right? Or October. Right. That's a good, that that that's probably good to know. Um, 
I saw this uh, story pop up on wrestling headlines. So a legendary ROH feud may be ign- oh, this is such Tony Khan fan fiction here. Maybe igniting an AEW soon. It was reported Wednesday how CM Punk has been pushing for a big return opponent when he makes his way back to in reaction on the collision premiere next month. While a punk for didn't he premiere on Rampage too? What does he just leave and then show up on every premiere? <laughs> was, he the first, was he on the first Rampage too? Um, Not yes. the first one. Uh, was it? The, it wasn't the first I, one, but I, it was I, pretty early on. Yeah, it was in the first batch of episodes. Yeah. Um, that's, that's I what he does. It, I remember coming, it was summer, it was definitely like August of 21, because I remember seeing it right as I had come back from uh, from Vegas from uh, SummerSlam. Uh, but it sounds like there may be, we may get Punk and Joe, but Punk and Joe 2023 is not Punk and Joe 2004. So let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I don't think that's something that we, I mean. Yeah, I, I you I say that, but Punk and Jericho for for a while. Yeah, you you say that. You say you're not interested, but when they put that in front of that live crowd, that that they're going to eat it up. Probably, we know they will. Yeah, <laughs> we know probably. they will. <laughs> um, let's talk about Impact. We haven't jumped on Impact uh, lately. Of course, Trinity is there. Yay, Trinity. Um, her. It, uh, her schedule for Impact, I guess it was announced uh, through the, the various sites. No word on how long her Impact contract is for, but she has confirmed that she'll be around through July. Um, so she'll be at the Under Siege on Friday, May 26th. We got that show to talk about, too. So we actually have four. My God, this is like a mini mania preview <laughs> because we've got Under Siege Friday night. We have... Uh, Night of Champions Saturday, and then Sunday Battleground and Double or Nothing. So we have four shows in three days. Um, Under Siege is in London on the 26th. Then there's TV tapings in London, Ontario uh, on the 27th. June 9th is Against All Odds in Columbus. The next day is the Fallout tapings. Then uh, Friday, June 23rd is the Summer Sizzler TV tapings, 23rd and 24th in Atlanta. And then July 15th is Slammiversary, also in Ontario. Wow. Uh, um Impact is going all in, no pun intended, on the uh, on the um, um, Canada uh, loop. Um, their next three, well, except for except for against all odds, and then Slamversary Fallout. So Trinity is at least going to be there through the middle of July. Um, I am happy for her, uh, Stephen. I am glad she did not follow. Her pal to Japan. Um, I I think she needs to have her own platform mm-hmm. to grow without having to lean on anybody. What do you think? Yeah, it, it, she she needed to be on television. I like the reception that she's getting, which I feel is, though it's a smaller crowd, I feel like it's a bigger reception than she would have in WWE. She kind of came mm-hmm. and went quite a bit. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really amazing with her debut and just like those that place that held those tapings in Cicero mm-hmm. is a it's a dump. It's in the middle of nowhere, like kind of like abandoned factories and and such. It's a really old, decrepit building. The fact that both 
Sasha slash Mercedes and CM Punk showed up to see her debut and kind of hide in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And and Sasha came from Japan. She flew mm-hmm. in from Japan, just like Trinity did, went over to Japan to see her. It just shows how much, how well-liked she is. How many yeah, other, yeah, how many other people would get that kind of reception where, you know, I'm going to drop everything and travel across literally the world <laughs> or, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what Punk's doing with his going backstage at WWE and then going to the Cicero Stadium. At least that, that one's local. But it, it says a lot about her as a person. And I definitely can see Impact running hard with her. You know, there's stuff mm-hmm. on social media like, oh, who? It, it's a lot of like uh, the tribalists, you know, like, oh, you left WWE. How dare you? Um, of course. Yeah, there, there's those for every organization. But like, yeah, let her have let her have her time. You know, she was doing nothing in WWE for the longest time. And even those tag titles were meaningless. That's why they left. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she wants to wrestle. She wants to have a greater platform um, in terms of where she is on the card. And she's going to get that. She's going to main event some TV shows. Oh, yeah, definitely. And she may make a run at Jordan Grace. Oh, yeah. I mean, on Deanna. Deanna, yeah. She'll be going uh, against them right away. Yeah. You take advantage of that. You strike while the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of under siege, uh, Steven Seagal. Oh. <laughs> Hard to Kill was his best movie. That was yeah. before we got. That's, before, that, mm, that that's another movie. impact pay-per-view. That's true. <laughs> I think every Steven Seagal movie. Out for Justice. Well, they they went from Phil Collins titles to Steven Seagal movies. Steven Seagal, yeah, exactly. Against all odds. <laughs> they did a pay-per-view called You Can't Hurry Love. Well, that was also a cover. <laughs> I would love Chikara Steve would do a pay-per-view called Susudio. That'd be great. I can see PWG doing something like that. I know they don't have many shows anymore, but I can, I can <laughs> see them doing that. That, that. that would be very funny. Uh, let's see if under uh, Siege... Um, has a car. Uh, let's see the update on that. Of course, that show is coming up May 26th in London, Ontario. So, another show that we will preview for you next week or two weeks. Uh, Nick Galdis wrestling his first impact uh, exclusive match in God knows how long against Kenny King. Trinity, it says Trinity will take on To Be Determined. Oh, shit. that's my favorite wrestler. I know. TBD, <laughs> they're, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the design. Taking on Sammy Callahan and two TBAs. What's the difference between TBA and TBD? Interesting. Um, it's gender. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a six-way match. Oh, this is interesting. A six-way match to determine the number one contender for the Impact World Title. It's uh, Alec. Well, this is a good good group here. Alex Shelley, Eddie Edwards, Frankie K, Gresham, Moose, and y- and Yamora. Wow, that's like really goes across the entire history of Impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trey Miguel and Chris Sabin for the uh, X Division title, which I think I imagine will be awesome. Um, last chance match for Jordan Grace against Deanna Perrazzo for the Knockouts title. If Grace loses, she cannot challenge, she cannot have another title shot as long as Deanna is champion. So that, that totally opens up. Diana 
keeping it. Um, and then Steve Macklin, her hubby, uh, defends the world title against uh, PCO in a no DQ match, which that game, that match could get kind of ugly. Um, and it, you could define ugly however you choose. Um, it's actually not a bad card, to be honest. And I don't think this is a pay-per-view. I think this is on Impact Plus. Yeah, I think it's an Impact Plus show. Yeah, it is. So that's cool. Um, and then, as we mentioned, Against All Odds is the next show, and that is on June 9th in uh, in Frankie Williams' backyard at Columbus, Ohio. Um, and then back to uh, Ontario for their for Slammiversary. Um, I think I feel like right now, guys, Impact is in a good place. You know, they're they're in a sweet they're in a sweet spot. They're they're solidly locked in as the number three promotion in in, in the world, and that's okay to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you feel about Steve Macklin, Trey Miguel has been a great X division champion. Um, and adding Trinity is big. Uh, Deanna Perrazzo is like the Charlotte of impact. She's just unbeatable at times. Um, they're in a good place right now, Nate. I think they're in a good place right now. I mean, they've, they've been in a good place for a while. Like if if you want to be honest about it and, Outside of the the Tessa Blanchard blip at Hard to Kill, like I'd say they've been in a good place for at least the last three, four years. Right. Uh, it's just that good place is extremely niche, <laughs> you know, in a world where WWE and AEW and a post-COVID world where people's times are much uh, much more crowded than they were during the pandemic. Uh, it's hard to make time for impact, but I'm glad that they they've been in a, on a good run for a while now, which is something you couldn't say in the quote unquote glory days, Steve, when they had many more eyeballs watching this show. You know, when they were pulling at least a million every week on Spike, they didn't have a run quite like this, where the booking was good and you had good talent and people were getting paid and you didn't have a lot of backstage infighting and Terry wasn't uh, in town doing his Terry thing uh, behind the scenes. And so I think it's a good place and I'm I'm glad Trinity's here. You know, I think she's going to do well here and the show sounds good. It's just, it's a show. I feel a lot of people won't watch that weekend. They'll watch it a month or two later just because of there's so much. There's so much, especially from WWE and AEW, for the wrestling fan to consume. Yeah. Do you think it's smart, Steve, to have for them to put it on that same weekend? I <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about that stuff in general. Um, I, I do like when companies piggyback on bigger companies in the same town Mm -hmm. to draw people in like you know um there's some english companies doing that with all in it always happens with wrestlemania um but we're even seeing it with nxt and double or nothing in in a couple weeks on this shows on the same day and when you're talking about niche of a niche of a niche of it you know (laughs) at some point (laughs) there's there's not going to be anybody watching right Mm -hmm. Uh, the the one thing, and this is this is something that I talk about all the time uh, on the show is the sheer amount of wrestling that there's no way to watch everything. I feel like you have to pick like one or two promotions and just concentrate on those, or pick and choose matches somehow. Have someone curate it for you. 
with impact, I feel like I would probably love that show. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I need to watch it each week. And maybe it's better to watch in WWE and AEW because you get two hours a week and maybe three additional hours each month for a pay-per-view. Maybe it would actually be easier to follow. But you, you think of even all the, you know, with wrestling being even more divided in the smaller companies and all the access we have, like shows in Japan, there's just too much to be able to swallow, I guess. And that's where impact gets lost and running shows in the same weekend. You know, there's just a limited um, amount of time. There's a limited amount of days. There's a limit. There's 104 days of Saturdays and Sundays and yeah, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's almost frustrating in a way. Like we, we should really be happy that all of this wrestling is happening, and it's so good for the workers, and it's so good for the fans, and there's so many more opportunities. But as it's very overwhelming. Also, basketball's on, baseball's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're selling out stadiums. Though they're selling out their their shows, even if they're small. They're getting good crowds. They're getting excited crowds. Yeah, I was bummed. I really wanted to go to um. When Bound for Glory was originally scheduled for uh, here in Danbury, in my home state, uh, about 45 minutes from where I live, back in October, I was definitely going. And mm-hmm. then uh, and then they had to move it to the night before because they didn't want to compete with Extreme Rules, and they couldn't have it in Danbury. In Danbury, so they moved they moved it to uh, to Albany, which is kind of a bummer. But so, um, I think they're in a good place. They travel well. They're definitely taking advantage. I mean, the other thing, too, is they booked all these dates in Canada, and that was, of course, before you know Josh Alexander got hurt. So I liked I liked the little storyline where Steve Macklin would only defend the title against Canadians to honor Josh Alexander or whatever, and Scott DeMore says it's all about Aldis getting ducked, which I thought was funny. And then they picked PCO. So I think Macklin's going to be PCO, but that could be a fun slop fest. Uh of a uh, no DQ, which is kind of why I think they made it as such. So, um, is against all odds a pay per view or an Impact Plus? Uh, that's an Impact Plus show too. Then there's Emergence, which will be on August twenty seventh. That's the next Impact Plus monthly special. Of course, that's a lot. terrible title. Emergence. <laughs> it sounds yeah, like some sort of bacterial infection coming out of your skin. <laughs> uh, my lip is swollen. Why? I have emergence. Ah, you <laughs> gross. It's like Stephen King in that uh, in one of the Creepshow stories where he gets all the <laughs> alien moss on his face. Yes, he's being overrun by emergence. Uh, that's obviously the next Impact Plus show in August because, of course, July Slammiversary is a pay-per-view. You're going to have to pay for that. And it's, that's fine. They What do they do that, what, maybe three times a year? You have to pay for for um, Slammiversary. You have to pay for Bound for Glory. That's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty much it. I think maybe it's pay for one more. And pretty much every other big show they do is on is straight off Impact Plus. So, as much as I'm not crazy about the Impact Plus interface, at least they use it. So I will say that. Um, I like their their. Um, I wish more companies would do this. I, I really like their. Pluto channel and they do it on impact plus too. They have it on a bunch of places where they just stream random stuff. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that where I can, you know, just lay down and if I'm watching a DVD or something, it clicks off and it goes 
like my TV goes right to that impact channel <laughs> and it's like, you know, some random lethal lockdown pops on right. like, uh, an impact from like a year ago. And it's always something it's always something interesting and fun that you can watch mindlessly. Except they got to do something about the same five uh, commercials that they have. If I yeah. see uh, if I if I see Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie on a top of the rope fighting to go through a table one more time, <laughs> probably seen that thirty times. Not gonna lie. Um. Let's turn to, because we, you and I, Steve, I'm glad Nate's here, because two weeks ago, and it was just you and I, we were going to talk about this, and then we ended up now, we ended up going on another tangent. But if you're listening to this on Friday when it drops, today is the start of the uh, Best of the Super Juniors mm. in uh, New Japan. It's it's today through the 28th, so it ends on that Memorial Day Sunday, not like everything else, at the Oda City General Gymnasium. Um. We went through the. We'll go through the the, the groups again. Uh, this is pretty much like for those that don't know, it's like the G one climax, but for cruiserweights kind of. Uh, block A is Takahashi, Ishimori, Sho, Titan, or is it Teton? I like Titan. Teton. Teton. Duki, uh, Kushida, TJP, Leo Rush, Mike Bailey, and Ryusuke Taguchi. And on the B side, you have El Desperado, Yo. Robbie Eagles, Francesco Akira, Bushi, Clark Connors, Kevin Knight, Yoshinobu Kanamaru, Master Wato, and Don uh, Dan Maloney. Um, I think we had talked, Steve. I'm curious your thoughts, Nate. That these blocks are a little imbalanced. I feel like all the studs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are on the rights are on the A side, and other than maybe. Clark Connors, or, or maybe Kanamaru, I guess. I feel like Block B is much weaker. Yeah, there's a lot of old guys, and I, you know, I, this is. I'm not trying to brag here, but I, I would guess I know more about wrestling than like 90 percent of your average wrestling viewer in terms of outside companies. Right. I have never heard of Dan Maloney in my life. <laughs> I'm sure he's a really good wrestler. I'm sure he's really nice. I have mm-hmm. never heard of him. Um, and guys like Kevin Knight and Clark Connors are kind of, you know, they're pretty new to the scene. So there's a lot. And it would be nice because you could. it's always fun to see new people, especially going against bigger names, because those bigger names can perhaps draw something out of them. Right. It kind of reminds me of the Cruiserweight Classic, actually, now that I think mm-hmm. about it, where there's, like, Kushida, you know, very well-known name. Uh, you got some really hot stars the, of the present, like Mike Bailey and Leo Rush. Um, and then you have a bunch of guys who have not heard of and maybe <laughs> will never heard of again, hear of mm. again. Uh, I, I always... There have been years in the past where they've done this uh, pre-COVID where I've wanted to sit down and watch all of these matches. But it just goes back to what I'm saying about impact. Like, there's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, thirty, thirty matches in three days. <laughs> then a day off, then thirty to no, forty in four days. <laughs> and there's no way. There is absolutely no way. 
even if I only watched New Japan Wrestling, there would be no way to do this. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. It's even more than than uh, than the G1. Um, yeah, they split it up a little bit better this year. And I try. I, as I'm saying that, like, I'd want to see all this. It'd be really cool if I could. But then I think of, you know, like, you know, our buddies Way and John over at Post who literally do this for a living, and they can't even come close to watching mm-hmm. all of this stuff. So, you know, we we got other we had other jobs and we had families and we got to sleep too sometimes <laughs> there's just no no way so how do you choose i guess i guess that's the question and i'm you know actually i i am interested in hearing others opinions on that and maybe it's something we could talk about uh you know on our next show what do you pick what do you watch how do mm-hmm. you choose do you go from one thing to another do you try like okay i'm only going to concentrate on Raw, SmackDown, and Dynamite. Just, you know, the big mm-hmm. three shows each week. Or, okay, I don't like Raw. You know, like, I know Andrew Reich, um was trying to watch all of AEW. And he just, when Ring of Honor started, he just like, I can't do this anymore. And mm-hmm. no one was more excited about Dark and Dark Elevation being done than Andrew Reich. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, stop watching those shows. Like yeah. replace it with Ring of Honor if you want to watch anything. Like just stop. You don't don't do this to yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean those are just that's just a lot. Yeah, I I stopped watching Rampage about six weeks ago because it was just is it, it was just getting to be too much. I had nothing against it. It's an enjoyable show, but I'm three weeks behind on Dynamite. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, you're you're saving up all those hours for Collision when when your boy shows oh back up. Oh my god. I was thinking about that this morning when that pops up. <laughs> I'm going, oh, I'm only watching two hours of AEW right now. This is my, oh, no, that's going to be an important yep. show. Yeah, <laughs> like at least for the first month or so, like it's going to be the hottest show in right. AEW. Absolutely. I'm trying to grab Saturday ratings. be very interesting. Punk versus Dan Maloney, main event on the first episode. <laughs> yeah, with the ratings on that, too. There's nothing to compare it to at all. There, there's, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's going to be not, there's no, there's no other wrestling show that's been on at that time before. Cause Saturday night was on at five o'clock. Uh, how much is this going to be preempted by, you know, different sporting events? It's, yeah. It's, right. It's a, it's a whole new world. Uh, incidentally, I don't, I don't know if you remember this or not, uh, uh, guys, but Takahashi is going for his fourth in a row and fifth in the last six years. Yeah, uh, it's that's always been an issue with New Japan with that division where they just get stuck and there's not <laughs> thousand between 2015 and last year. Only three guys have won this tournament. Kushida, Will, and Takahashi. Yeah, Will was one of the few that were able to get out. You know, Kushida came to the WWE partially because there was nowhere to go, and I don't, I don't understand why they don't just, just get rid of the weight limits, if, even if there is a weight limit, and just okay, you're in this division now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of WWE, the last guy to win the Super Juniors, other than those three, was 2014. Ricochet. 
Ah, that's right. And then before that, the Prince. He won two, 2010 and 2013. Abushi uh, won it in 2011, and Taka Taguchi won it in 2012. But Takahashi is going for his fourth in a row and fifth overall. Yeah, as a guy who is probably the hottest wrestler out there internationally a few years ago and got injured and COVID happened and now it just feels like he's treading water. Mm. Yep. He'll still have great matches, don't get me wrong. There's going to be a lot of great matches in here, but how many of them will be memorable? Right. Well, Takahashi has won it four times. Uh, and I feel like there's more repeat winners here than there are in the uh, in the um, uh, G1. Um, Takahashi's won this four times. He's going for a fifth. Uh, Kanemoto's won it three times. His last one was 2009. Takaha- uh, Liger has won it twice. Kushida's won it twice. Prince Devitt's won it twice. Tiger Mask 4 has won it twice. And Will Ospreay won it twice. Of course, the first year of the Super Juniors was in 1994, and it was won by uh, Liger. Uh, I have the 1995, well, I don't have the Super Juniors. That's the G1 Super. What was that, the J1 Super Cup? Is that what it was called? Uh, Super J Cup, yeah. Super J Cup. Yes, yes. Which is different than this. Um, uh, but Liger won the inaugural, no surprise, in 1994. And uh, I'm curious, is there a bracket? That was a, I think that was more of a tournament, like over two days. Yeah, it's been a real long time since I've. Well, no, it, it it was contested from May 26th to June 13th. Oh, okay. Of of 1994. Now going back to the inaugural one. Here were the participants in 1994, just to kind of see how things have. Liger, Super Deflin, or Delphin, El Samurai, Wild Pegasus, you know who that is, um, Black Tiger 2, we know who that was, Dimalenko, Shinjiro Otani, uh, Tokimitsu Ishizawa, David Finley, tells me how long he's been around, Takamichinoku, and Masayoshi Motegi. And Liger beat Deflin in the final to win it. So yes, in the first super in the first Super Juniors tournament, you had Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and Dean Malenko. And they finished fourth and they finished fourth, fifth, and sixth. <laughs> in fact, they all finished with the same points, 12, which was tied for second with El Samurai. Liger and Delph- Delphin finished with 14 points. Yeah, and I was thinking um, of the actual Super J Cup tournament, which is one night, and like coincidentally, it had almost exactly a- an identical mm. uh, group of wrestlers. Mm. Crazy. Yeah. So that is starting tomorrow. Well, if you're listening to this on Friday, it starts tonight. And we'll go for the next uh, two, little over two weeks, and we'll conclude on Sunday night, the twenty eighth, because there's nothing else going on that night. So might as well just throw the end of a tournament that night too. 
Um, and then uh, is Dominion, which we uh, we talked about Dominion six point four, and of course that that uh, will take place in early June, and I am just stunned at the fact that Sonata actually won the world title. I still think that's crazy. Well, and the um, guy who's going against Yonosuji just came back from his excursion. He was he's, uh, was recently a young boy. So really, oh. they're doing a big change of the roster, finally recognizing that Tanahashi and Naito, you know, they don't have much left. Mm-hmm. Their bodies are pretty broken down, and they, right. they have to start changing things up a little bit. Yep, I agree. And then after that, they'll have Forbidden Door, uh, obviously their co-show with AEW. And then uh, we, there's nothing after this. So, well, they'll go through the summer with some big shows. And then, as obviously when we get into September, uh, they'll start kind of sculpting this year's uh, G1 uh, climax. So, um, that's kind of pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of st- – we're kind of in between. But in two weeks, we're going to have a banging show. We'll be previewing four <laughs> – Oof. Big shows that weekend. We will preview Under Siege on Friday. We'll preview Night of Champions on Saturday. And then Sunday, both NXT Battleground and AEW Double or Nothing. Uh, gentlemen, always a pleasure. It's been a fun show. Uh, uh, Steve Aloysius Willie, where can everyone find you? Uh, everyone can find me uh, yeah, on social media, Steve Willie one uh, you can listen to me on Pod of Honor with our good friend Scott Criscolo. That guy's and awesome. He's pretty well, good. He's a little. That guy doesn't work here. <laughs> <laughs> and I this, kicked uh, in the forbidden door. <laughs> yeah, this month we're looking at the um, highest rated matches for 2005, 2006, 2007. Based yes. on the cage match rank- rankings, and um, mm. yeah, it's going to be a big show. There are some, all, all three, of course, are great matches, but uh, right. we we have some takes on there that I think are a little, little bit different than just gushing over him. Right. Mm. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and of sounds course, like Steve Willie showed up to the recording with a bag of muffins. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple margaritas at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Um, of course, you can also find Steve on the, you know, what's, what is, I don't want to get. Oh, you know what that means. Yeah. I, you know I, what that means. Yeah. I've done a few of those episodes with Andrew and Jordan. It's their show, but, you know, they'll have me on from time to time. And we had a recent show where we did a draft tape the same and came out the same weekend as the WWE draft and the NFL draft. It was really fun. Um, Jordan and Andrew had their own AEW rosters, kind of. Looking at, oh, what if there was an actual brand split for the two TV shows? And then I came in with the Ring of Honor roster. My first mm. pick was the 11th round. So they had 10 <laughs> rounds to draft of tag teams, women, and singles wrestlers before I was able to draft. And the the surprise was I got a pretty dang good roster. Mm. Mm. Was, was Dalton Castle still on the board? Uh, spoiler, Dalton Castle was is, is on my, my roster. As he should be. Yes. Big surprise. <laughs> um, Are the boys a separate pick, or do the boys come with Dalton? Oh, I think the boys come with them. It's a package <laughs> deal. <laughs> yes. 
Um, Nathaniel Milton, tell us about uh, everything going on over on the Kings of Sport Patreon. Yes, this is a big week for the Kings of Sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com, backslash the Kings of Sport. Uh, five bucks gets you in the door if you want to be in the VIP section, uh, like uh, Trey Young and Omas. You can uh, pay a little bit more and sit with Scotty and Steve. Uh, but this Sunday, we are dropping our first Kings of Sport episode since the Super Bowl. Uh, we've got a new logo that is debuting. Uh, we've got possibly a new theme song. If it's not on this episode, it'll be on the next one. Uh, we're we're kind of going through the, the, the rebrand, the refresh here mm-hmm. at uh, the Kings of Sport. Uh, this year is our 10-year anniversary, and so we got a new logo. Uh, we're going to name an official new co-host for the podcast. Uh, who could it be? So uh, we, we've we've had a, we've had uh, some interim filling guys uh, in the in the uh, interim, but but who will be who will be uh, the the Jay Leno uh, and who will be the Joan Rivers looking on the outside looking in? Marcus Manderberg. Uh, Marcus Manderberg. Marcus. <laughs> Marcus Manderberg. Yes. Marcus uh, Manderberg. Bryce Young. I heard could be on the list. You know, there's could Bryce Young there. could be on the list. Uh, Baby Simba put in an application. Uh, you know, we we got an we got an application from uh, Redacted, uh, but he's a little too hot to touch right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he won't be he won't be coming back. <laughs> but uh, yes, we're going to announce our, our official new co-host for the show going forward, as well as uh, some special guests. So uh, Mother's Day, seven o'clock or around about that that time, you can check out the latest edition of the Kings of Sport, where we will be previewing the NBA conference finals uh, and uh, just talking about all the sports that we've missed talking about since the Super Bowl. So you can check that out on Mother's Day after you spend time with, with the various queens in your life, uh, spend time with the Kings. Uh, and then this next weekend, uh, so from the 14th, we fast forward to the 20th, and we got the new episode of the NWA on post with myself, Andrew Thompson, and Professor Chris. Uh, for everything else, follow me on Twitter at in the number eight, M-O-Z-A-I-K. And I'm also a member of the Used to be the DC TV podcast networks. Now it's the multiverse of color uh, because the person that runs the network saw, like most of us, that uh, you can't you can't count on WB. You can't count on the CW Steve Willie. So you don't you don't want to tie your you don't want to tie your brand to to that ship uh, because it might weigh you down like an anchor. So multiverse of color is where you can find the lituation room with me, Brittany Monet, Clement Bryant, and Steve's favorite Vanessa Shark. Uh, uh, and spoiler happy alert, Day. happy number one yes, Mother's Day to Vanessa. Yes, Mama Shark, uh, in the building. Uh, but also, the Kings of Sport will be uh, affiliated with the Multiverse of Color since what? all those. All those people on that network, Steve, they tend to be nerds, so so they don't they don't know about these sports ball games. So they need some 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 professionals to talk them through it. So uh, we will be affiliated with Multiverse of Color, so you can get our stuff at the Patreon. You can get our stuff on uh, Kingsofsport.com, and soon you'll be able to follow us uh, through the Multiverse of Color. So a lot going on with with these Kings of Sports here, Steve Willie. Wonderful. Yes, Tons. just re upped for the year as we're talking for that Patreon. Yes, we signed that discount. We, we signed Steve Willie to a billion dollar deal. Excellent. Steve's the unfortunately, <laughs> it's for five billion years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Now, to kind of uh, bust it up before I, you know, we head on out of here, just noticed, of course, it is Thursday as we're recording, and the NFL schedule came out, which I always find suddenly that's like a big thing now. I don't know when that actually happened. I, I was talking to Chad Campbell about that today. Like, why why are we getting uh, bracketology shows for the NFL schedule? <laughs> I know, right? We all know who we're playing. We just don't know when. Hey, there's um, leaks that came out this morning. Or you could yes. just wait for six hours and watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. So week one, of course, we know our teams. I, of course, worship the star of the Dallas Cowboys. Steve is a monster of the midway. And uh, Brother Nate does the dirty bird. Um, so week one, of course, the first game of the season always is the defending world champion. So the Chiefs are playing Thursday night, the ninth, uh, the seventh against uh, Detroit. It's kind of an odd pick, but okay. Poor Jordan Duncan. Uh, I'll definitely bet the uh, over on that. Uh the Falcons, uh, speaking of Bryce Young, uh, gentlemen, uh, guess who his first defense he will face will be? Mm. The Dirty Birds in the Bunt Pan. Uh-oh. Have Panthers and Falcons, week one, one o'clock. The Bears, Steve? Uh, Bears Packers, I believe. Yes, their first. the Bears will mm. get their first look at the newest chapter of the Green Bay Packers franchise. Jordan Love Hewitt. Yep, Jordan Love Hewitt. And then the Cowboys uh, can finally play the Giants in a Sunday night game where I don't kill myself watching Eli Manning stab me in the heart on a Sunday night. So <laughs> that is week uh, number one. The Monday night game, uh, what a shock, Bills and Jets. Are you stunned? Um, gas. Gas. Uh, week two. Um you know what? Let me look. Let's do this instead of looking at all of our schedule because it'll take us forever. Let's uh, let's see who are who we at least look at the national schedule, and then you can all look at your team schedules, obviously, as you see fit. Uh, let's see who. Let's go to Thursday night football. Of course, there is uh, week one is of course uh, as I mentioned the Chiefs. Uh, let's see. Let's look at our teams. Uh, uh, Steve Willie, week five on um, October fifth. Bears are in Washington to take on the Redacteds. Um, Wait, what? I thought we were just <laughs> talking about him. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, the Dirty. I could see him fitting in at a party with Daniel Snyder. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> come on, man. Come on. Come on, guys. Come on, man. I wrote this article about you. Week, week 10. The Bears get another Thursday night game. They'll take on Mr. Young and the uh, Carolina Panthers, who by then could be 0-9. Who knows? Um, Cowboys uh, in week 13 will be home to take on Seattle. And unfortunately, love you, Nathaniel. Uh, the Dirty Birds do not get a Thursday night game. Um, let's see if they get a Sunday night game, as that as that was been released. Uh, as I mentioned, the Cowboys and Giants play week one on Sunday. Uh, let's see. Da, da, Chiefs, uh, Chiefs Jets. What a shot. Cowboys Niners week five in San Francisco. Bears Chargers in L.A. week eight. Um, um, of course, a lot of games will get flexed. And uh, sorry, Nate, no Sunday night games. Wow. No respect for the Dirty Bird. Mm. Um. Let's go to the Monday night games. Uh, let's see. Week 
And now there's double headers like on weird nights now. There's no double header in week one, but there are double headers in weeks two and three. Although they're not really double headers, they're being played at the same time. One game's on NBC, one game's on ABC, one game's on ESPN. That's bizarre. Um, uh, Cowboys and uh, Char- Chargers? No, we played them last year. Oh, no, it's Cowboys Chargers. Week six in LA. Uh, Broncos, Bills, Bears, Vikings in mini. Week 12. Um, wow. Just utter distance. The Cowboys uh, the day before New Year's Eve against uh, Detroit. Man, I actually have to go to the teams to let Nate know who he's playing. <laughs> oh, that's no love for Desmond Ritter. No love for Desmond Ritter. Not one primetime game uh, for, the, for the Dirty Birds. Oh, God. I just had. Wow. Um, here's a wrestle, two wrestling crossovers with the NFL schedule. Uh, one for the Bears release. It was uh, Spice Adams and Seth Rollins released the mm. Bears schedule. Two, I just had on my stories um, the Philadelphia Eagles schedule come out. I'm like, who would put the Philadelphia Eagles schedule in their story? Like, Brad, Brad Willing's a big fan, but. Yeah. That's not something he would do with social media. No. And I looked, and it was uh, the wrestler formerly known as David Starr, uh, apparently mm. still <laughs> up in my social media feeds as his as his real name. <laughs> so that was that was just something that happened as we were talking. That is that is crazy. That is crazy. Um. So here's the follow. So here is the Falcon. Schedule. Um, uh, good way to kind of back in to put a cap on the show. So week one, as mentioned, the Falcons play Carolina at home. Week two, home to Green Bay. Week three at Detroit. Week four, oh, look at this, Nathaniel. The, the Dirty Birds go across the pond. They'll have yes. their own all-in, and they take on the they are taking on the Jags, so they are going all in. Um <laughs> uh, week five. That's the Calvin Ridley revenge game. It, it is, yes. Yeah, the um, Jaguars, like Wembley Stadium, is basically becoming Con East. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Um, week five, home to Houston. Week six, uh, home to the Washington Redacteds. Week seven at Tampa. Week eight at Tennessee. Week nine, home to Minnesota. Week ten at Arizona. By then, Kyler Murray will probably not be playing. Week 11, they're off. Week 12, uh, home to New Orleans. Week 13 at the Jets. There you go. Um, week 14, uh, home to Tampa. Week 15 at Carolina. Week 16, home to Indianapolis. Week 17, New Year's Eve. It is Willie versus Milton at Soldier Field. The Falcons mm. and the Bears. 12, 12 to 8. Who will win? <laughs> <laughs> Who will have more rushing yards, Bijan Robinson or, uh, or Justin Fields? <laughs> Justin <Yeah>. Fields. <laughs> and then week eighteen, they end the season at New Orleans. So there's a Falcon schedule. Then we we uh, spin this to sports, huh? We always spin it to something. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scotty Podfather, but please follow the brand on Twitter at PTBN Wrestling. We do all the time travels and we post the pods and we have a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a great month. Uh, coming up later this month, we'll have a new episode of uh, 
through the looking glass, myself and Dave Hall. Uh, as uh, as uh, Steve mentioned, we'll have a new episode of Pot of Honor. I know it's on a different night, but we had some you know scheduling things, and but uh, we will have it for you. So continue great month here in May. Uh, have a wonderful two weeks. Um, I will let everyone know about my vacation in two weeks because uh, I will I am off next week on the high seas. Um, and uh, we will return in two weeks with a full Memorial Day wrestling preview. Under Siege, Night of Champions, Battleground, and Double or Nothing. So a full, full show in two weeks where we'll preview four big shows. So, for Brother Nate, for Brother Steve, I'm Brother Scott. You've been in the main event. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Hey, Steve Willie. Hey, Nate Milton. You know what, Steve? I had a joke written here, but in solidarity with my, my writer brethren and sistren. I'm not going to say it. Take that, Zazla. Dad did the joke. Discover this.